rambles about rome little journeys of interest around the eternal city by anne hollingsworth wharton this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. it may not be wise to abide by a hard and fast schedule in lands where more pleasure is often to be found in byways than in highways but it is well to have some definite plan for each day especially in rome where the best may sometimes be overlooked amid the tempting distractions that meet one at every turn we usually made our plans for the day at breakfast which was served in our own parlor because the paterfamilias of the party had an unconquerable aversion to the cheerless breakfast table at the salle a manger travelers plans naturally depend much upon the weather and we had become epicurean as to weather having had the good fortune in the course of our journeyings to encounter a succession of springs landing upon the island of madeira in february we found the mountain sides curtained by the rich purple bougainvillea although snow still lingered upon the summits as we ascended the heights behind funchal upon which the cathedral stands we were pelted with roses and japonicas by the children who followed the train hoping for a few pennies in return for their floral tributes on our way back to the town through precipitous streets in one of the sledges peculiar to madeira we were feasted upon delicious wild strawberries from the mountain near by in granada although the mountain air was keen the february sun was so warm that in the gardens of the alhambra roses like those of june were filling the air with their delicate fragrance while in southern italy the fields and roadsides were carpeted with narcissus cyclamen english daisies and american wildflowers here in rome during march we have had fitful glimpses of spring in the hillside garden upon which our windows open and upon the sheltered terrace below the pincian hill where carnations and roses bloom abundantly but it was not until april and easter time that we fully realized the joyous awakening of the spring after a fortnight of clouds and rain the sun shone forth gaily and every leaf and blossom in rome seemed to spread itself forth to bask in the genial warmth and every inhabitant was out of doors forestieri and peasants crowding the narrow sidewalks of the corso dark-eyed women were to be seen on all sides some of them with babies in their arms sitting on church steps or sunning themselves and their bambini on the spanish steps which were like a flower garden in these april days with all nature rejoicing over the return of spring it seemed the part of wisdom to listen to the general voice and turn from galleries and churches to wander in the open the borghese garden with its shaded paths and green sward dotted with many flowers is as tempting now as when hawthorne described miriam and donatello dancing under the elixes and stone pines no lovelier spot could be found in which to spend a spring afternoon than this palace garden with its shaded avenues and picturesque fountains unless we chose to stroll over to the pincio where many flowers were blooming and where the band plays gaily to the rich in their carriages and with equal gaiety to the poor on foot or seated on the wooden chairs placed conveniently near the music stand which can be hired for a soldo or two 
looking forth upon all rome from the commanding heights of the pincio with the incomparable castle of st angelo and the tiber in the foreground and the more distant st peter's and the janiculum hill standing out sharply against the sapphire sky we are not inclined to echo goethe's words written more than a hundred years ago i am perfectly convinced that no city of the ancient world was worse situated than rome since the days when goethe wrote his impressions of the eternal city from that little house still standing on the corso near its opening out into the piazza del popolo and also near a place dearer to weary sightseers the little english tea-rooms much of ancient rome has risen from the depths of the earth ruins of ancient palaces have taken the place of the luxuriant growth of vines and flowers that long covered the forum and a new beautiful and gay rome has spread itself forth in wide streets and gardens over in the veneto quarter it seems now as if no city could have been better situated than this rome upon her seven hills with water dashing and gushing from her many fountains in the valley between when goethe was in rome and even when mr w w story wrote in eighteen fifty six of its long damp narrow dirty streets the new city the creation of king victor emmanuel and his successor had not yet arisen and the campagna which is now like a garden dotted with wild flowers and glorified by the blossoms of peach almond and judas trees was much of it a pestilential marsh we realized what a change had been wrought by the draining of the marshes when we walked out to the tre fontaine one afternoon as our way lay through the porto san paolo we stopped at the great basilica of the apostle whose name it bears a noble monument the vastness of whose interior impressed us even more than that of st peter's although still unfinished this church with its columns of oriental alabaster its rich malachite pedestals the gift of a russian emperor and its transept glorified by portrait medallions of all the popes is worthy of several visits instead of the brief one made by us on this lovely spring afternoon when the charms of the compagna were calling us into the open the cloisters of st paul's we thought especially beautiful and only excelled by the exquisite arches and columns of the lateran a road leading to the tre fontaine turns off to the left a little way beyond san paolo and a few yards from the gates of rome we found ourselves upon a country road bordered by green meadows the portion of the campagna through which our way lay for about two miles is no longer deserted as earlier travellers have described it but is dotted here and there with farmhouses and gardens around which troops of pretty dark-eyed children were at play but not so busily that they were unwilling to pause in their games to accept a soldo or a bit of chocolate from the forestieri whom they eyed furtively passing by an ancient fort and descending some hillocks we reached a gate which admitted us to an avenue of eucalyptus trees through which we finally gained the celebrated abadia de la tre fontaine originally a cistercian monastery whether the present healthfulness of this place which was at one time abandoned on account of the prevailing malaria is due to the planting of the eucalyptus trees or to the general draining of the marshes and the vigorous war urged against the mosquitoes we know not 
the gardens and buildings under the judicious cultivation and care of the trappists who occupy the premises now wear a look of thrift and as much comfort as befits a monastery we were told that huge cans of milk were sent to rome every morning as well as hampers of fruit and vegetables from the monastery garden for some reason perhaps because of this profusion of native products and the subtle charm of this lovely spot in its spring beauty the extreme austerity of the trappist's life with its motto le plaisir de mourir sans peine vaut bien la peine de vivre sans plaisir did not impress us as it might have done had we visited the tre fontaine on a bleak winter's day neither did the silence which in the order weigh upon our spirits in the church of san paolo alle tre fontana a young monk was explaining the legend for which the place is celebrated to some students who drank in the story reverently the most interesting of the three churches that of san paolo alle tre fontaine is built over the spot where st paul is said to have been beheaded the legend is that the head of the apostle made three distinct leaps and wherever it touched the ground a fountain gushed forth a service was being held in the church and the monks were singing a low monotonous chant among the voices we noticed one that of a young monk which was very beautiful later when we met the singer in the grounds he asked us most ingenuously how we liked his singing and was frankly pleased with our praise as he proved by sending some of the acolytes to gather huge clusters of wisteria and neapolitan roses for us to which he added some branches of eucalyptus which has a pungent aromatic odor when we finally quitted the tre fontaine after buying several bottles of eucalyptus cordial made by the monks and sold in their little pharmacia the shadows were dark in the eucalyptus grove and an indescribably delicate and lovely purple mist was floating over the campagna had we been tempting providence by lingering so late in this once pestilential spot perhaps and yet we have so often been guilty of this sort of imprudence without serious results that we have come to the conclusion that danger that way like many other traditions belongs exclusively to the past and that the roman compagna at sunset is as healthful as most other low-lying lands at that hour another pleasant afternoon ramble is to the geniculum hill to see the fine equestrian statue of garibaldi from the commanding plateau upon which the statue is situated we could see all rome with her four hundred churches more or less distant and below us quite near the trastevere bounded by the windings of the tiber on our way home we stopped at st peter's in montorio in which interesting old church is the tomb of beautiful unhappy beatrice cenci we had seen her fair girlish portrait at the barberini palace and the little cell at the castle of st angelo in which it was painted and we naturally wished to see the tomb it is unmarked however and not particularly impressive and we were glad to wend our way to the church of san onofrio where is the tomb of tasso his statue and some remains of the great oak under whose shade he wrote his jerusalem delivered here we sat on the semicircular seats where the arcadian academy formerly held its meetings and wandered among the cypresses where tasso once walked looking forth as he must often have looked upon the city of many domes 
framed in by the sabine and alban hills now touched and glorified by the roseate glow of the setting sun end of rambles about rome by anne hollingsworth wharton read by betty b